welcome to Live Your Own Way with me, Lucy Gleason Interiors, chatting homes, life and inspiration with my very special guests. So I want to start today with a huge thank you to everyone who listened to my first episode last week. Um, very first one and it seems to do really well so I really appreciate it. Today I'm chatting with Laura Jane Clark who is an architect and TV expert on BBC Two's Your Home Made Perfect which is just a brilliant show. Uh, we're also going to be talking about her new website Siren Sisters which is to support diversity in the industry and um, about some of her really incredible projects. Hi Laura, how are you? Hi, very good. How are you doing, Lucy? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thanks for talking to me today. Um, you're in no Glasgow, problem. aren't you? Is that where you're based? Yes, so just outside Glasgow, but my office is down in London. So all my work is down there, but I commute back and forth on the train. So what made you move up to Glasgow? Because you were based in London before, weren't you? Yeah, um, basically house prices. <laughs> so um, I converted some old underground toilets in Crystal Palace year, a few years back, um, and I was living there. And I tried to buy a an old pub on the corner of Crystal Palace. Um, and at the time, I got my I got my business plan accepted by the bank. I got the offer accepted by the um, estate agents, but then we were gazumped. <clears throat> by headers and they're still it is still empty the, oh dear i know and they've they've put uh flats in the top floor flats um but the actual ground floor the bit that's on the street is still empty and decaying and it's very depressing Such um, a shame yeah it was really because you had this kind of grand vision of, of of redeveloping the top floors and turning them into flats that, that would then pay for the rest of the development of the of this um, uh, pub and turn it into some kind of independent cinema um, that would pay for itself, basically. So self, you know, a kind of self-funded proposal, um, which I was super excited about, but yeah, because I'm by greedy developers. Not to be, I guess. I know, exactly. So I just kind of, I was just totally sick of London. And I think, you know, house prices were just so high and trying to get something to do up to renovate was just getting impossible so um yeah and I always wanted to come back to Glasgow because I was I was born in Scotland um oh I didn't know that yeah um and I studied up here I went to the Mac the Macintosh school up here um so it's where my heart is <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, it's a great city I, I completely agree with you um so tell us a bit about your place up yeah. there because obviously anyone listening can't physically see it What's it like? And did you do it up yourself? Yeah, so it's an old Georgian house. Um, and we found it kind of by accident, really. I was looking for somewhere to do up. Um, and I'd been, you know, kind of, oh, I mean, I for years, I was a complete nightmare. Anywhere we'd go, I'd be like, oh, I want to buy this. I want to buy the like, Italy, like, <laughs> thingy down, like, in the rural sticks of Scotland. I was just like, like oh, we can buy that. I can do this and this and this. Uh, drove my husband completely insane um and then we were looking for a place you know we were, a point that we were going to go and speak to farmers to see if you know if they had any bits of land that we could if it was either covered in trees or just like really slopey and steep that they couldn't really use um and and then I, I found this place um and it was a lot it was, it was massively out of our budget so I didn't see it for a good six months um 
And then I was, <laughs> this is a very long story. I want to go for it. I want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I knew that there was this big castle for sale just down the road. So I upped my search parameter to like a million. Um, and this came up and I was like, oh my goodness. And it was about 300. Um, and again, way over my budget. Um, oh, right. But it came up and I just completely fell in love with it. And we came to see the house, walked around the garden. The gardens were massive. Um, but it was completely derelict and it was empty for about five years. Um, wow. And nobody put an offer in it because the whole thing was completely, there was a huge, massive dry rot problem. The whole place was moldy. It was just absolutely rancid. But I was like, that is my house. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I suppose with your experience, though, it's something that you could handle quite easily, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd never done anything quite so big. Um, but we'd before then, um, we bought a, a tenement flat in Glasgow, in the south side of Glasgow, um, as a repossession again. So again, it had been empty. Um, and it was incredibly inexpensive, you know, massive big three beds for 80,000, you know. Um, wow. Yeah. That's very different to London, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Totally. So as a self-employed person, it kind of made it a lot more viable. Um, so we did that up and we did it ourselves. So I, I designed it and then we had obviously the structural work by a builder. Um, and I designed this like, really beautiful timber bathroom. So we had some old reclaimed teak uh, from one of my pals who'd ripped it out of a, an old school floor. So we'd stripped all that down and had these beautiful teak slats. So I built this, bath- I designed this bathroom around these teak slats. Um, <laughs> and I, rem- I remember the builder going, well, we've got the best chippy in Glasgow, Laura, and if he can't build it, then nobody can build it. <laughs> and he can build it. So, <laughs> so oh. we're a social worker, my husband's a social worker, both had to <laughs> build it ourselves. Oh, um, brilliant. Yeah, so it was, it, was, it was a very steep learning curve, but it made taking mm. something like this on a lot easier. Yeah, it must have made it easier. Um, so what's your colour scheme like there? In this house? Yes. Whew, it's, well, kind of, it's quite dark. It's quite moody. So when, so the, the tenement that we did up, I, I was always kind of very light colours, very white, very kind of clear, you know, very kind of architectural and not particularly interior designy. Mm. Um, but when I did the tenement up, and my my mum's, I mean, my mum and dad's house is all very kind of white and clinical. So I've just kind of, that's how I've, not clinical, but you know, I, that's the kind of yeah. look that I've yeah. always gone with. Um, sure. And then, so when we did this tenement, we there was this uh, peach velour wallpaper. Oh, I was great. Okay. I know it was incredible. <laughs> it was really, it was kind of beautiful, but it was kind of gross. Yeah, and it was like covered in like grease. Goodness knows when it was put on. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine this wallpaper. Was it very tactile? Very tactile, very peach, with like <laughs> kind of floral patterns in it. And I mean, it's, you know, like you're kind of looking back in this day and age, yeah. this kind of kitsch day and age. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. it's actually quite attractive. <laughs> but it was pretty repulsive. So I, I took that off and actually it came off really easily and it revealed the red painted plaster, the original painted plaster underneath with the Victorian stenciling and all, you know, it was absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. Wow. Um, and it and then that this kind of really dark red gave me the color scheme for the rest of the for the rest of the flat so it would have looked really weird any white in it particularly um mm. so that's when i discovered the julux heritage uh scheme color scheme that i'm completely addicted to 
and yeah, and just went really dark. And 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 it was kind of it was it was quite zeitgeisty. You know, it was, it was the kind of bare walls and things. You, know, you kind of do something. You're like, wow, this is really interesting. And then you look through L decoration, and you're like, oh, they've done it. Oh, it's here as well. Oh, they, you know, <laughs> damn, they always get there first, don't they? <laughs> so talking of color schemes, because I always love your color schemes. Oh, thank you. On your homemade perfect, which I'm sure any interior lover will have watched by now. I hope so. (laughs) I'm completely addicted to it and my husband loves it too. It's one of those programs that we both sit down and watch together. Oh, that's great. So to sum the program up, uh, both yourself and another architect, Robert Jameson, uh, you both design new layouts for families who are struggling with their living space. And then uh, you pitch the ideas to them once you come up with them with virtual reality, don't you? So that they're standing in their new space. So how does that all work then? How do you do it? Um, so we obviously we visit the couples, we have interviews and we work out our designs separately. Um, and and the, so the whole, so we filmed all 16 in one summer, essentially, um, in about kind of six months and didn't have any, we didn't have, any, you know, we weren't allowed to see each other's designs, we weren't allowed to talk about designs. So we talked about everything else other than our designs. Um, so you weren't allowed to talk about your designs with Robert? No, absolutely oh, not. Oh, wow. That was, uh, and, and because we were doing so many, we did, you know, several at the same time. So we'd take these long uh, taxi journeys, me and Robert and the, the crew in the car, um, and, you know, stopping at service stations, getting a bottle of wine in the back. You know, it was just, it was absolutely, it was a real, we just had a ball. Um, and, but yeah, the only thing we didn't talk about was our own designs. <laughs> That must have been really hard when you're spending so much time together. Well, yeah, and I think it was interesting because we come from such different kind of backgrounds. Um, and I, I've worked for myself for you know, got twenty odd years now, and you know, been on my own uh, for tw- you know, I've, I've done my own practice for twelve years. So, kind of started on these kind of you know, like domestic scale work. Yes. And, um, you know, it's kind of what I'm totally used to. And he's slightly different. He comes from, you know, does kind of lots of other, you know, kind of bigger, grander stuff. So it was really, and it's done lots of traveling and all that kind of stuff. So we just had such an interesting kind of dynamic of our designs, a you know, total different way of looking at the designs. Um, well, they are completely different, aren't they? Um, do you yeah. think you, you and Robert have taken inspiration from each other? Do architects do that generally? Absolutely. And I think I think it's, it's a funny profession. And I don't know whether it's the same in interior design particularly, but mm-hmm. it's quite a arrogant kind of closed shop kind of thing. And mm. you know, the the old the old saying of there's no such thing as an original idea, I am a huge believer in because you know you're influenced by everything that you see you know whether it's going out for a country walk or going to be a film or you know you or velour wallpaper you know (laughs) you're so influenced by everything and what I found interesting that that, that even though we were from such different backgrounds there were there were huge crossovers in our designs and sometimes you'd say oh that's actually the same design flipped upside down or flipped 180 108 degrees and and so it's really seeing our thought process and and I think that's what's really great about this tv show it's not just about the build it's about the thought process and the design process and I've had so many messages of people saying oh it's like having you on my shoulder when I've been working this out you know and and that is what is fantastic you know I don't think it should I don't think design should be this kind of cloak and dagger 
it's only for the elite, you know, to have yeah. nine. It because it's it's not rocket science, but it it's about thinking and really having the confidence to go with your thoughts and go with these ideas and you know really push yourself. But I, I definitely think it's intrinsic in you. It seems to come really naturally. Like every house that you do. Uh, you put your heart and soul into it and like when I you know watch some of the family so happy at the end it really makes me well up Mm -hmm. Um, like all your designs seem like really sympathetic but also practical would you say that's true definitely 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 I you know I kind of work with with the budget and the family and their the way they live as as a parameter of the design um you know so yeah, very much so. And I and I kind of really live in the spaces in my head and kind of imagine them, you know, coming down in the morning. And because obviously families live in such different ways. I mean, at the moment, we're all living pretty much the same way. But, you know, yeah. whether people, you know, whether the mother or the father or whether it's single parents, or whatever, you know, that people leave a house at different times, they eat at different times. And, and I think it's really important to totally take that as part of the design. There's no point. I don't think there's any point in trying to change the way people live mm. about... well, we're creatures of habit aren't we yeah totally and 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 i remember the, the james and vicky the i think it was the first episode actually um and he loved cooking and our initial meeting it was just all about his kitchen it was just kitchen 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 and i just thought like blood and sand you know does vicky have any say in this and I remember asking what her passions were. And she kind of suddenly went, I really love music. And I've got like a massive stack of uh, Northern Soul upstairs. And I'd completely forgot. And she basically hadn't thought about a record collection for like 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, and it was about kind of making a space for her and making the kind of the whole thing work so that, she, you know, you carve out space for people. You you make them, and it's not a question of like having a separate room, but, you know, you kind of create neeks. <laughs> you create right. some places for people that they can, that they want to gravitate to. So not just a label, right, this is where you can sit and listen to music. You know, you create somewhere that is really lovely to sit and... Sure. Um, so yeah that's and I think that is that's really fundamental to the way I work so how do you um get a family or a couple to reach a compromise when you're working on a project oh it's funny I think um with the exception of Dennis and Christine (laughs) um the Margate job which was just kind of yeah that was a real uphill battle um I think when you break because I think people get so stuck in a thought process or a, a thought pattern um so like uh you know some people will only want practical some people only want whatever and yes. I think I think when you're in the space as well a lot, you know a lot of clients I speak to they're like how did you come up with that in an hour and a half two hours we've been here for 15 years and we wouldn't have thought that in a million years and I think you get kind of almost blind you can't see the wood from the trees as my mother used to say yeah you know you get kind of blinded by it and it's when you start reasoning it out and just showing the flow and how things come together, then that's generally when both people go, oh, of course, I get it, you know. And if they're not listening to each other, then, you know, and, and often they'll be compromised, they'll often be bits, elements from each, you know, each party 
But when it comes together and explained by a third person, then they kind of go, oh, get it, yeah. And then by the end of it, they're both, you know, loving it and dabbling in paint colours and all sorts of things. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose it's the same with interior design, really. Um, Mm. It's a case of, well, coax isn't the right word, but, you know, make suggestions and it all just takes care of itself in the end, doesn't it? Yeah. So how did did it come about being on Your Home Made Perfect? Because you had done some other presenting on other shows before, hadn't you? Yeah, so I did. Um, so I did a lot of stuff with George Clark on uh, Channel Four. Um, when I when I did my toilets, actually, when I bought these underground toilets and did those up. Oh yes, um, I'm going to talk to you about those in a minute. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I remember doing them, and I was I was labouring on them because um, again, being self employed, not having huge amounts of cash at all, I basically did all the labouring work um, and worked with the chippy and everything to kind of you know work on the details. Um, I remember doing it thinking, this is kind of interesting, you know, I'm sure it'll be like fairly unique. Um, and I pitched it to Grand Designs and they were like, nope, it's too big, too small for us. And I was like, okay, fine. And then I heard of this program, this amazing space. Uh, I think it was called Micro Design. The working title was Micro Design. So I kind of pitched it to them and they're like, no, it's too big. So I just kind of gave up really. Um, and then a couple of months later, once it had finished, the production manager um, the producer of Amazing Spaces lived in Crystal Palace and she came knocking at my door and said, oh, we'd love to feature it. But it was all finished. Um, so the the design, obviously the title of the show became uh, Amazing Spaces and I met George. And I've not, I, I don't watch that much or I didn't used to watch that much TV and certainly I'm not a big, massive grand design. You know, I'm not, Yeah. don't kind of uh, love those kind of shows. Um, oh, I, kind of, I love to hate them, to be honest. <laughs> or I hate. Them. Oh no, I, I I do know what you mean there. Yeah. Um, and so I, I I basically watched hundreds of the home show that George did on Channel Four on Channel Five. Um, I just basically just just to get to know what he you know what he was like and um, I got completely obsessed with him to a point that I'd like wake up in the middle of the night apparently go George Clark six foot three <laughs> and I thought like a so, um, <laughs> um, so then obviously met George and he came and we did the filming there and it was just brilliant. And then we did a Christmas special and then Shed of the Year came off the back of Amazing Spaces. So I worked with uh, Max McMurdo and Will Hardy and George and we went around the country judging sheds and that ran for four seasons, four series. Oh, I love that programme. I know, it was awesome. But it's funny though, I'll speak to people and, you know, sheds will get mentioned at some point. And um, I was like, oh, right, yeah, no, I was one of the judges on that. And a few people said, what, there was a, there was a female judge on Shed of the Year? <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly remember there being a female judge on the programme. <laughs> <laughs> and all the toilets and be like, oh, is that you? You know, I think I've just, when I started doing TV, I remember a producer saying, now get a look, get something that people will remember you. And I just didn't really do that. <laughs> well, you say um, that but actually I think you have got, definitely got a style I, I know it's not exactly an interiors or architecture based question but um you've always got nice shoes on how many pairs have you got how many pairs yeah oh my goodness probably oh about 100 odd Ooh. yeah <laughs> yeah I my husband basically buys them for me so my husband nice. loves high heels on ladies absolutely loves them um and I've, I think I was always a bit of a tomboy in school and uni and, you know, I was always in 
dungarees and flares and DM boots. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, being a certain kind of shape doesn't necessarily suit that. <laughs> and I never really suited kind of like wafy, kind of beautiful, you know, the stuff that I absolutely love always look really weird on me because I've got kind of quite big shoulders and I've always done martial arts. So I've always been, you know, kind of quite, not big, but like, you know, not a kind of wafy thing that I'd love to be. Um, and then I kind of started getting into like pencil skirts and the 1940s, 50s style. And it just really suited me. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I, I, it's just, it's, it's gone from there, really. Yeah. So talking of women in the industry, um, I was talking to someone recently and they said that apparently it's still very male dominated in the world of architecture. Is that correct? Yeah, it's very, very male dominated. I don't know the actual statistics, but um, I remember in, you know, the dropout rate in uni was quite high um, for the women. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know the system, but it, it, it's very, we're like hen's teeth um, to be fully qualified and practicing because I think, you know, life gets in the way and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I kind of think it's 20%. I've got this, I've got this percentage in my head, 20%, but that right. might be completely wrong. Yeah. That is quite um, low, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, so I've set up um, a website called Tyron Sister. Um, oh yes, getting all the architects, interior designers, style TV stylists, everybody together on one platform. Um, just because you know there's such a lack of diversity and lack of female voice on, um, especially kind of interior and architecture shows. And I remember somebody had written the only one criticism I got. Somebody's like, why are you just concentrating on women, Laura? <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, well, it's um, a good start, well, though, isn't it? Well, exactly. And I'm a woman, you know, <laughs> it's my kind of yeah. specialist subject. Yeah. Um, but then I thought, and I thought, well, how, are the, how many other women architects are on TV at the moment? And I couldn't think of one, apart from Gabrielle Omar, who I adore, um, and she's done... She's on The Apprentice and she's done, she's done um, DIY SOS, but it's not aired yet. So that was the only other qualified architect I could think of. So that is why we need more women on TV. Well, I have to say, though, I think it's a very altruistic thing for you to have done. Um, having worked in TV myself for a long time, and I know how competitive it can be. So uh, for you to have stuck your neck out like that um, is very much appreciated. And I think it's really inspiring. Well, I think I think it's really important. And I, I remember um, I remember doing Shed, Shed of the Year and just being so kind of like, this is so white and it's so male. And I just couldn't quite get my head around it. And I remember speaking to a few friends, just um, one of my pals who's in um, events organization, Wes, I was, you know, I was, I was kind of like, what? And, and I knew that he had a shed and I was like, Wes, you have to get on this. So we you know we need your face on shed of the year we need diversity mm. on shed of the year. Um, yes. and he would always be like well you know the time will come you'll be able to you know just get your platform and then do something with it and that's basically what I've done so and and I'm not I'm not a point I I, I love doing tv but it's not my life right so I I think I kind of realized that actually it's not about kind of tokenism it's not about well how are we going to support each other? It's actually, well, there's no, there's no platform other than kind of agencies, which mm. is a different kind of fish that's saying, look at all these women. We're all fabulous. 
you know, it's just like an introduction thing. And, and yeah, and, and I suppose it's potentially doing myself out of further TV work, but I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. No. I, I, yeah. I would, I'd rather that female voice, that diverse female voice on TV, because I'm not, you know, I, it's not something that I am desperate to do. I'd rather go, oh, look, there's Tara. Oh, look, there's Lucy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, that's what I want. Well, it's very nice of you to do it. And, um, you know, I kind of feel the same, really. It's just good to support everyone, isn't it, really? Um, on a completely different note, how long does it take to train to be an architect? Um, it takes longer than training to be a doctor, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So it was seven years. Well, it's kind of seven, eight years. So you do three years in uni um, and then a year as a, a kind of assistant. Um, mm. And I and then another two years in uni and then another at least one year as a trainee um, before you do your final exams. Um, so obviously you get paid in those two in between years. And I, I worked on a building site when I was a student to get cash in as well and also get a bit of experience. Um, so it's a, it's a long, it's a long slog. Um, and I didn't come from a design, but well, my parents very much into design, but I didn't come from an architectural background at all. Um, yeah, you wanted to be a surgeon originally, didn't you? Yeah. So my dad was a surgeon. Um, and he used to take me to, you know, like the blue light runs and take me into um, hospitals. And, you know, we'd always, every Christmas we'd be in hospital, you know, meeting the patients and everything. And we'd go in a lot and, um, and it was great. And I absolutely loved it. And I, and I, I just thought that was what I was, you know, my whole life, I always thought that's what I wanted to be um, until I was about 16. And I kind of realized actually I just want to be like my dad I don't actually want to be a surgeon but you know my, my dad is such an incredible man mm. um and so it all kind of fell apart really so I was doing all my A-levels to be a doctor um and yeah it all changed yeah so let's talk about the lavatories was that your first uh, home project after qualifying so how did it come about um, well, I lived in South East London, so I moved from, uh, from well, from I did my last year in Ireland, and then I moved to, to London, um, to South East London, um, and I managed to get one of the last self-certified mortgages um, in existence before the, before the crash. So I managed to buy this incredible um, flat and get uh, lodges in. So that was the making of me, really, because if it wasn't for that, there was no way that I would have got on the ladder at all. Um, and now, you know, if I was in the same position now, it would just it's impossible to get a mortgage um, as a self-employed person. So I was incredibly fortunate to, to get that. Um, so I was living in this house and it was, it was, you know, it's fine. I was kind of doing it up a little bit, but it was fairly fine. Um, and I remember used to go to Crystal Palace um, and just walk around. And I walked past these old kind of grim looking old toilet block. And they were like painted brown, loads of graffiti. But I remember looking at the the, the skylights in them um, that were on the pavement. And I realized they were actually quite big because you could see, obviously, the outline of the, the skylights. Um, and I got slightly obsessed with them. I get kind of obsessed with things <laughs> um, and just can't let it go until, you know, it's a total no-no or, you know, I, I kind of get there in the end. So I got completely obsessed <laughs> with toilets um, and managed to 
get the council to let me in, um, which took ages because they're in a weird part of, they're like a corner of loads of different boroughs and nobody knew who owned them. I mean, it was like just a nightmare. And At this got, point, we're friends saying, what are you doing, Laura? Yes. <laughs> and my boyfriends are like, I went through about four different boyfriends. Um, <laughs> but I basically came with these toilets. Um, so I event- we eventually got in and I remember the caretaker, Mike, who stayed with me. In fact, he came to the opening party. Um, so he was there the whole seven years I was trying to get these things. Um, he came down with a couple of keys and we like just like hopelessly tried this uh, padlock. In the end, we just had to break open the crowbar. So we went <laughs> down um, and all, most of the skylights were kind of broken and covered up. So it was really, really dark. And there was so much litter in there because you're right next to chicken shops and things like that. And then, um, you know, the corner shop. So there's loads of rubbish and litter and chicken bones. It was minging <laughs> through the gloom <laughs> I could see and I can see it now I can picture it now I could see these like art deco urinals on one wall and it's really high it was about 2.9 2. um 2.8 2.9 ceiling height oh incredible waffle ceiling with the skylights and I was just like this is such an incredible space so there's the gents and the ladies was almost completely pitch black and pretty spooky um so I, yeah, just, I eventually went down and measured them up and then started working on some plans um, and, yeah, went about buying them from the council. But it literally took me years because there was so much red tape um, and one of the head of, one of the head of Lambeth at the time um, was really pro me renovating it and like really pro micro regeneration everything and pro women mm. brilliant and then he well, that helps so much doesn't it <laughs> and he was replaced by this guy that was like nah you're not oh, no. you're not doing anything with him it was a bloody nightmare yeah um, i bet so God. so do you still own it now i yeah, i do yes yeah yeah absolutely so i have some fabulous uh, a lovely couple living there who are just wonderful a ballerina she's absolutely beautiful great um, yeah, it's re- just a lovely couple, and it, it, and it, it's nice. We've had some really nice people in there that just really yeah appreciate because it. it's not for everyone living underground, but um, you know there's so much light from the the pavement, and it's great. It's the you know no neighbours. You can play music as loud as you want. You can have crazy parties down there. It's the I think it's the best place to live in London. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd love to see it. Um, is it like completely underground? It is. So I opened the, the in fact, the reason why I, t- I, I, I turned it into a, into a, into a flat, because I was originally going for a kind of, you know, art gallery type bar kind of thing. Um, I kind of realized that I could get an open space at the bottom. So the, the very bottom where I took, there's two sets of stairs going down the males and the, and the females. So the females I took out um, and that's where the bedroom and everything is. But the space above it is basically open. So you've got this like little half covered um, courtyard garden right at the bottom. So um, you can look down there um, and then obviously down the, the main entrance steps. Oh, amazing. Uh, one of the other really interesting projects that you've done, I, I spotted on your website, Lamp Architects, uh, you renovated a cinema, didn't you? The Lexi. Yes, that's the one. Um, how did you go about keeping the feel of it? Um, well, it was just the bar on the cinema. So, um, in fact, when I, I met them, because the right the 
top of the interview, I was telling you about this um, the pub that I was trying to buy and turn into an independent cinema. So I did loads of research, um, including going to the Lexi um, and meeting Sally there um, to talk about how to run a um, and the you know costs involved in running an independent cinema. And she was like, "Well, actually, we need an architect." <laughs> so it was a really nice skills exchange. Um, and they'd they'd put this beautiful um, cinema in, but then on the side of this building, there was just this kind of like horrible um, alleyway um, and a kind of really grim bar. And basically, all the money is in with the you know a lot of the profit is in getting people to stay for a drink beforehand um and after and you know refreshments during the the film so they wanted that to be really enhanced um so my and get an accessible toilet in as well okay and so that was my that was the remit so um I, i designed this like enclosing this alleyway with skylights um and then creating this kind of uh, gallery space with with them um, and I kind of designed uh, with my husband and we actually made them uh, designed these picture frames that sat on the wall that opened up into uh, little tables and chairs oh. so they looked like either picture frames or you could open a few of them up or open them all um, and then right up into the actual the bar and we ended up building it with the, the builders doing all the, the um, carpentry work using lots of reused materials um uh, yeah it was it was it was a really exciting project it nearly killed me yeah I bet it did (laughs) speaking of which actually I have heard you say before that you like to get involved in every aspect of the process uh with your work would you say that's a really important thing for architects and interior designers to be hands-on with every part of it definitely absolutely and I think I think the kind of the building side of it for me was really fascinating. So as a student, I remember just thinking, because I didn't do that well as a student, I, because, I, because I didn't come from that kind of architectural background and that kind of knowing what all these big, long words were, I really struggled. Um, and what I wanted to do was work on a building site. So I thought, well, I can't turn up as a young woman, not now, but <laughs> then as a young woman, turning up on a building site, expecting builders to listen to me or expecting to have a conversation with builders where I had no idea how to build a brick wall. So Mm. I thought it was really important. And I don't know why. And my next campaign is to get all architects on building sites, but that's another story. Um, That's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. And I kind of wonder, now this is a bit of a kind of leap, um, but I do wonder if this kind of arrogance that you associate with a lot of architects comes from a lack of understanding of how to build. So rather than, because mm. I respect builders so much because it is such a hard job, you know, that they yeah. do. It's so hard. And they are generally really helpful and full of wisdom, aren't they? Well, definitely. And and, and I can I remember doing this stuff and just thinking, and it's very, you know, it's really labour, obviously labour intensive and, and it's quite repetitive. Well, it's very repetitive. And my my respect for builders is just, infinite and and I think I think there's a kind of mismatch of respect between architects and builders architects don't know what builders do and builders don't know what architects do and so you kind of and I think that then comes across as they just get crossed with each other and I think if if every architect did at least a month on a building site the world would be a better place (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I don't know about that, but the building will be a better place. Well, I have to say, I would love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, have you got any advice for anybody who might be looking to buy their first place, you know, to get on the property ladder, um, good areas to choose or, mm. and things to look for generally, good or bad? Yeah, I would definitely go for a repossession. That's basically all I ever buy because I can't afford anything else. <laughs> um, so repossessions are fantastic and you often get a steal. I mean, we got this house for a steal because I think people are scared or, you know, especially when there's any form of rot or any form of mold, <laughs> people yeah. get a little bit nervous about it. Um, and it is, it's, it's a huge leap to take and you do need some kind of knowledge, but it's amazing what you can learn, especially about renovation from specialist companies and suppliers and YouTube, you know, the amount of stuff we learn on YouTube. And if you have time then, and you don't mind living in, you know, I mean, the amount of times I've lived on site and you had a bucket for a flush and, you know, cleaning your teeth with cold water not the same bucket cleaning your teeth with (laughs) cold water you know but if you're willing to do that then you can get a real a real steal oh that's good advice um now in terms of your career where do you see yourself heading over the next 10 years or so because obviously you've got so much experience of what you do and then there's the tv work which um you know I don't want to sound like a sycophant or anything but I do think you deserve your own show you're great Um, do you see yourself heading that way more um, I kind of do really, but um, I, I mean, getting back into TV because I, I after Ugly House, I did Ugly House, Lovely House as well, and after that, I kind of really fell out with TV, the whole TV world, um, and then was chasing, chasing, chasing to do Your Home Made Perfect, and eventually I was like, all right, okay, I'll think about it, um, and it was the best decision I made to be honest because I think Remarkable as a production company are just fabulous. And, um, but I am not keen to just do anything TV wise. I kind of, I like, it's nice having a platform, but a platform to inspire kids or women to get on building sites or, you know, that is fabulous. Having some kind of positive effect on people or, you know, certain is just like amazing. Mm. Um, I'm currently... I'm currently writing a book. Ooh. <laughs> is that an exclusive? Yeah. And this is the first time I've mentioned it, actually. Right. Um, so I think I've really been inspired by the messages that I've had um, and this kind of idea that I kind of really like the idea of democratising design and producing a book that is really beautiful and really sexy, but also, really, you know, the kind of, but not not necessarily budget. It's not about kind of DIY. It's more about the, the design process that people can take on in their own homes. So it would be like a kind of it would be like me being on your shoulder, going, "Oh yeah, you can do this," and so that you can say to the builder, "Oh look, but we can do this," and they go, "Ah oh, right, okay." So it it's it hopefully help people to work their homes out either with an architect, designer, interior designer, or builder it will be like an extra tool, an extra resource. So it's like an advice book, but with lots of sexy pictures in it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it sounds fantastic. So um, I'm going to let you get back to your work soon, but I've just got one more question for you. um, Because I know that you're a big fan of prints, as am I. Amazing. (laughs) 
So if you'd had the opportunity to work on Prince's home, Paisley Park, as an architect, what would you have chosen to do? That's kind of a tricky one because, yeah, I mean, Prince is my number one human being. I think I would end up not doing any work at all, but just (laughs) lying about with him. (laughs) Um, And I would make this kind of like almost like a Bedouin tent with Mm. scarves and material, all very kind of, you know, like in the, is it Interview with a Vampire? Oh, yeah, yeah. When the uh, Keanu Reeves gets seduced by all those mad vampires. I think it would basically be that. (laughs) I would just hang out there eating chocolate mm. and they're chatting and they'll be like what about the rest of the work Laura I'm like tough I'm just hanging out here with you babe <laughs> I wonder if he'd have had full of wallpaper I know I don't think so well, you never know really <laughs> yeah Paisley Park's quite stark and white it's not really my not really my kind of style but my and Prince's Bedouin tent that would have been that would have been the best <laughs> Oh, he's the king, isn't he? Well, listen, thank you so much for talking to me today. I feel like I've learnt loads and um, it's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. It was great. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode with the lovely Laura. Um, Her architect company is called lamparchitects.co.uk and then also the networking website she's developed is sirensister.co.uk. My guest next week is Eva Shanaika, who owns her own London-based interiors company and she creates the most stunning, colourful textile designs at Homeware. So until then, have a good one. (laughs) 